Hi everyone, thank you for joining us today. My name is Abdel. Uh, I am the host of the Cloud Careers podcast and I am very happy uh, today and very excited to have my guest Elias for the first edition of the first episode. Hi Elias, how are you doing? Very good. Thanks Abdel for the invite. Happy to be here. Thank you, man. Thank you. Um, so we know each other for quite a while. We grew up in the same city. We, uh, we didn't go to the same school, but we kind of were part of this online community right in the beginning of Twitter and Facebook and all these social media platforms. Um, yeah, it's been it's been like what? It's been more than ten years that we know each other, right? Yeah, quite um, quite more than ten years, I would say. Yeah, it's been a long time. I remember fast. It was like twenty. Uh, it was two thousand eight, two thousand nine yeah. that we started. Right. I, I remember back then when you were uh, uh, spearheading the Ubuntu Emma. You know the, yes. the whole um, um, platform and everything. I remember when you were receiving the CDs, you know, Ubuntu CDs, and then <laughs> you were giving them to people and everything. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah, when Canonical used to give free CDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it feels like ages. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a different world. It's a yeah. completely different era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, and then fast forward a few years, you've been doing stuff, I've been doing stuff, and uh, we're here to talk about it, right? Um, so let me start with this first question. Uh, let's, who is Ilias? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, um, Ilias Bakush, um, Moroccan, software engineer, um, living in Montreal, Canada. Um, I've been in IT pretty much my whole life. You know, I've, I've done backend development, front-end, uh, I've done QA testing. I've, I've led teams both uh, as, a lead, as a tech lead and as a manager. Um, and then, you know, at, at some point, I just wanted to bring that technical know-how uh, and those uh, um, experience and expertise and technologies, and then, you know, combine it with people skills uh, and then um, uh, put it in use for customers, right? And so that's what I joined uh, AWS. Today, I'm a senior solutions architect uh, at AWS. I work with, uh, I actually, uh, geographically, uh, I take care of all clients in East Canada. And I work with clients who are both ISVs, independent software vendors, and DNBs, digital native uh, businesses. All right, cool. Cool. I actually didn't know that you were you had a, a manager's position. That's actually pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, four years ago. I worked for a company that was acquired by Lyft. The company yeah. was called um, um, 8D, you know, 8, the number, and then yeah. D. And we were one of the pioneers for bike sharing technologies in Montreal. Uh, we had a lot of clients all over North America. And the company was acquired by Lyft, and and that's where actually I, uh, I mean, I I left just a little bit before, but uh, yeah, I was I was manager of the web team, so uh, okay, yeah, been there so as you, well. You you left Lyft. Yeah, right. I left Lyft. I left before <laughs> Lyft. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, all right, so um, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about this whole manager um, uh, experience. It's quite interesting to me. Uh, but let's 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 just go back a little bit few years back when you were still in Morocco. Um, tell us a little bit about your education. What was your education like? Sure. Um, I really didn't have the typical, you know, journey, the typical IT journey uh, uh, that, that you see. So this one is, is not going to be a, it's not going to be an easy question, but uh, um, 
I mean, I've, I've known that I wanted to be in IT my whole life. That's it. I just, I, I love the fact, I love giving an order and then seeing the machine execute the order right now. You know, that was one of the, the things that made me fall in love with computers. Because with humans, you know, you ask someone to do something and it's like, oh, wait, maybe, uh, you know, maybe later, I'm tired. But it's not with the machine. So I remember being a kid and just working with computers and I loved that. But turned out at school with my, I would say my strength and my weaknesses, the orientation body at school decided that I should be pursuing economics, right, at high school. So I ended up going to a high school, to a Lycée Moulaydris at FES. Uh, and, and for three years, I was there studying economics. And I remember hating it at the beginning, right? Like, I'm not an economics guy. I, I just want to write code and everything. Because, you know, when you're passionate about these things, like you spend your summer trying to learn HTML at your at your place. And so, but then, you know, after a couple of weeks, I kind of liked economics. We were studying monetary budgets of the government. We were studying like deficits and we were, and we, you know, you feel a little bit smart than the normal guy who walks in the streets and doesn't know where this money comes from and all these things. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to roll with it. Fast forward three years, and, and when I had to graduate high school, you know, that whole um, um, uh, existential question, you know, came, <laughs> came again. What am I going to do with my life? Uh, am I going to do something that I don't like, that I don't enjoy? Um, so, you know, with a guy who's graduated from economics in high school now, I found myself unable to get into uh, you know these big schools where that allows you to specialize in IT you know the big Moroccan schools because these guys they require you to have either mathematical uh, high school degree you know or at least a scientific high school degree so the whole the whole uh, struggle of of finding a path from there to be a professional IT guy I mean I will. Yes, I was, I was able to create blogs and I was able to build scripts and I was able to build, you know, PHP websites and everything. But you you, you kind of need that diploma sometimes to get your credibility back in the day, unfortunately, in Morocco. I mean, now times are different and uh, in, maybe in North America also things are super different. We can talk about that because when I was a manager, I was hiring and interviewing people to hire them. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a completely different way of thinking right now. Yeah. But so, yeah, I found myself, I mean, having pretty much one path, which is go to a private school. Right. And so I started picking up the phone and calling all private schools in, in, in FAS and in the area, in Casablanca, in Rabat. Um, I was ready. You know, that's like this is my calling. This is the time. Um, and so I pick up the phone and I call a school in, in, in FAS called Eziza. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, I know uh, it very well. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, and so I talk with uh, the uh, secretary there and she's like, okay, well, um, give me your name, your, your number, whatever, whatever. And then we got to, you know, the big question, the, the $1 million question. What is your uh, high school degree? <laughs> what did you graduate <laughs> in? And I went, um, economics <laughs> and she's like I'm sorry it's not gonna work and so you know I I spent it was like all the doors were, were closing in front of me every time I pick up the phone and I call someone everything goes fine until we we get to that point where they, they talk about my but you know in, in life 
you sometimes should be relentless. And, you know, I was desperate. So I just keep calling and again and again and again and again. And so uh, at some point, I just decide to stop calling and go stop visiting them one by one. So I go to Aziza, I go in, and she just looks at me and said, you're the guy who's been calling us for the past week? Like, <laughs> yes, that's me. And she's like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I'm like, okay, well, can I talk to someone who can help me? And I don't know what happened. Maybe she she was just, she 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 was feeling for me you know maybe she was like this guy is so desperate Let, let's help him she was like okay you know what the director is here if you want to go talk to him go ahead i'm like what <laughs> i didn't sign up for this you know i, I didn't expect it to go this far um, so now you have to defend your case in front of a director <laughs> Exactly. Who's not only a director, who's a professor in computer science. Yeah, uh, and, and, yeah, yeah you, you know him. Uh, and, and so, you know, I was just there talking to him and, and maybe he saw the passion in me. Maybe he thought that I was so desperate. Maybe, I don't know, but he was like, hmm, you want to come in? And, you, you know, you know, Sim Kwad, like the way he speaks and he's, you know, he speaks really slowly and he's like, you want to, this is what you want to do with your life? I'm like, yes, it's like, hmm, but we have to test you. I'm like, uh, okay, <laughs> what are you going to test? It's like, tomorrow, 8 a.m., you come in, I'm going to give you some mathematical stuff and equations, and you want to test your mathematical abilities. I'm like, uh-oh, what did I get myself into? <laughs> you know, I mean, I've been studying economics for three years. Like, I, I didn't have that advanced knowledge in mathematics. I, I still don't uh, have that advanced knowledge in mathematics. Um, so I was begging him to just give me a chance and give me like a few more days to study. He was like, okay, no worries, next Monday. So it was like three, four days to study. And I remember spending the whole week just calling my friends, um, like have, having, having them uh, at my place, trying to explain to me uh, all those mathematical um, uh, principles that they were studying in high school. Monday morning, I go to uh, I go back to Aziza. He gives me the test. Luckily, you know, I I didn't ace it, but I think I had enough to pass. Okay. <laughs> so he looks at it and he's like, "Okay, Monsieur Bakush, you know what? We're gonna give you a choice." All and, right. Uh, yeah, the the rest is history. So you got in and you did four years in Aziza, was it right? Exactly. I did four years, and after that, I went to France. Uh, to do uh, a, a, a master's degree in distributed systems. Mm -hmm. um, that was, you know, 10 years ago. It, now it sounds cool when I say that I did a master's degree in distributed systems, but I don't work with anything that I studied. You know, that was like a long time ago. I don't know if you remember, it was, it was, it was the, the era of web services and SOAP files and CORBA and, oh, yeah. you know, all these heavy technologies. Um, and uh, after that, I was like, you know what? Maybe I want to be a teacher, a professor. And something, uh, and you know, in, in France, if you want to be, uh, if you want to pursue research, you need to do a research master's degree. And yeah. if you want to work in industries, you need to do a professional master's degree. So I actually had to do a second master's degree only to give myself that ability to teach if I wanted to teach. Okay. Right? And so, and so, I ended up doing uh, a master's degree in theoretical computer science, okay. uh, which is funny because you know, mathematically, mathematics is not my cup of tea. <laughs> so, <laughs> I again found myself in in a, in a class surrounded by some super smart people from all over the world, 
Um, and I was pretty much struggling from day one. But luckily, there was also a whole aspect uh, to it that was all about logic. So there's mathematics, but there's also the, the, the logic aspect that I loved. And I think um, I was pretty good at it. And that mm -hmm. what helped me um, um, get, you know, graduate. And that was, that was pretty much, this is my uh, uh, academic journey. Okay, all right. I mean, yeah, you said so many things that I've been, I just relate to <laughs> because, I mean, I also didn't go into like these fancy schools for the people who might listen to this who are not from Morocco. Uh, the education system in Morocco is like kind of weird that it's following the French system and you have to have certain high school degrees in order to go pursue your studies in certain areas. And if you are like Ilias from economics, it's hard to get into tech. Um, I don't know if you're from a history background, it's probably harder to get into medical, oh, yeah. medical school or something like that. It's, it's, it's extremely weird. And we, th I think the common thing between us is that we both have been trying to do anything which is outside of the system. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> go to this private school, go to this like whatever, because I also did a master's in private school and I did yeah. software engineering. I studied some math. I'm not using any of that stuff. <laughs> like yeah. I never professionally wrote code in my life. I am a software engineer <laughs> technically by training. But I never wrote code. I just did everything else. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. And I mean, to remind, this is Fes. It's a city of, I don't know, 100,000 people. It's really small compared to the size of the country, right? So, Yeah, so, it's a small city. Yeah. Yeah, it's really small. Yeah. All right. So, um, okay. So you, you've done your two master degrees. Uh, and then um, what, what was your first job after that? So... My master's degree was in Metz. It's a small city next uh, in in, uh, in east of France, right? But we know that in in, your, in France, if you want to work, you have to go to Paris. It's like in Morocco, if you want to work, you gotta to you gotta go to Casa or you gotta yeah. to you gotta go to Rabat or or something. That's where like the best jobs and the big companies are. So I um, started. I mean. Yeah, it's, it's not an easy question at all, uh, because there's also the whole aspect of um, uh, legally staying in France, right? So when, when you go to France, you have a student visa. Mm -hmm. And so after you finish your studies, you have three months. I mean, I say you have, but that was like 10 years ago. You had, I'm not sure how is it right now, but I had three months to find a job. And if I couldn't find a job, I, it's either you go back to your, to your country or you have to start studying again, yeah. right? So I, I had I had those three months, you know, and and, and uh, luckily, the way I survived university and the way I was paying uh, for my tuition and everything is by doing freelance work, uh, and I was mm -hmm. always building websites and, and building, uh, well, mostly like WordPress WordPress blogs and, and all these kind of things. Um, and, and so I got some connections in, in, in the city. And so I joined uh, uh, a company that was doing, that was building, web, uh, not web, it, they were building a framework that, you, that would allow you to write code and hybridly the code would run on mobile and on web. That was a long time before What's what's the name I'm, I'm thinking? There was the, like this big company that did the same. Yeah, there is there is a framework for mobile. I'm trying to remember, but yeah. basically it's yeah. You, you write code once, and then it 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 generates basically an, a mobile exactly. app and a web app, right? 
Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I, I was taking my background in theoretical computer science and trying to build, you know, the, 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 the compiler. Uh, that would take that code. I mean, build is a big work. I joined the team that was building and I was just helping. Um, but then, you know, a couple of months later, I, I just didn't like it. And I found a, a, a different startup that was called Pendibuzz. And mm -hmm. that's what I consider being my first job. I was a, a full stack software developer, um, mostly working with uh, PHP that is in-house, no framework. <laughs> at all, it was madness, uh, but it was cool. Uh, I learned a lot of things about CSS, about JavaScript, about front-end, back-end, Apache, Nginx, PHP, my admin. I mean, we're talking about maybe 11 years ago. Um, that, that's where I actually, I, I learned a lot about web development and, and I started to, uh, uh, to get really into it. We, 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 we used to do some things that were pretty avant-gardiste, for example, you know, one of our products was uh, uh, listening to all the news that would that would be aired right at 8 p.m. Mm -hmm. and then doing speech to text to them and then doing analyzes or, or the analyzing that speech and trying to get the sentiments and trying to and that was like a long time ago before AWS has text tracked before I don't know Google has the Vision API before it was a long time ago. Um, it was, it was pretty advanced, pretty advanced for its time, basically. It was, it yeah. was, it, it and, really was. And yeah. no one called that machine learning or AI or cloud or whatever. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was just speech no. and text, that's it. <laughs> that's it. And we had uh, like box bots that would just go crawl all the pages in the web and try to find, we didn't even call them hashtags. We just tried to find keywords you know, yep. uh, in the world, in Twitter, in Facebook, and, and get those and then analyze them. It was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> that was before yeah. all these passwords. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> cool. And so, so, so that was PHP, you said, right? Yeah, that was PHP 5. Yeah. That's actually pretty interesting. I mean, a, a lot of times I, I see this all over the place on Twitter, on Facebook, people just like bash PHP and they say bad things about it. And then people who are doing PHP, sometimes they just feel like ashamed of saying that know, they are right? PHP developers. <laughs> but the funny part is that this week, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but there was that hack or that, 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 that like the PHP get servers. Uh, oh, so the a, PHP Okay, yeah. so the PHP maintainers, they yeah. used to they they maintain their own Git servers, okay. and the way it works is that they are actually using their own Git farm to push code, and then okay. from there they mirror it into GitHub. So they have a GitHub repo, but okay. you wow. cannot open a, the, the, so the GitHub repos are read only, so you mm -hmm. can only uh, uh, push code from your server toward the their own Git servers. And then from there, they mirror it into the GitHub repo. I see, I see. And yeah. they realize that somebody have pushed um, um, a, a pull request, essentially, or a commit. And in that commit, they spoofed the name and email address of one of the maintainers. So it looked like it's coming from an official maintainer. But no those two way. commits had a backdoor, yeah. Um, so they still haven't actually released the root cause analysis for what happened, because obviously you need an SH key in order to to, yeah. uh, to push to get, right? Yeah. Um, or, or whatever mean of authentication. But basically it was something like that. It was like, okay, we had this problem. We realized it, we revert to commits. Now we're gonna switch to GitHub and we're gonna decommission our <laughs> Finally. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, it was about time, right? <laughs> it took a hack. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> to follow concepts. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, 
people love to hate about PHP, but I think it's, it's in the same way people hate on Windows. You know, it's, it's just because I remember Windows 80, 89 was great. Uh, 98, you know, it was, it was a solid piece of, of engineering. But then Windows Millennium came, and that was, you yeah, know, that was crap. a very terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, there are still banks running on Windows XP, and it's officially out of life, right? <laughs> I know, I know. So <laughs> even even now that Windows like is now leagues ahead, people still remember that old. And the same thing about PHP. Even even that PHP now advanced, people still remember that old PHP, and, and that's why we still like to uh, to tease uh, PHP developers yeah. and everything. But yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I, I, I wanted to say, but I owe pretty much my career to PHP. I started working with PHP. I wouldn't be where I was right now if it wasn't for PHP. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say uh, that I love that language. Nice, nice. I think it's actually interesting because I feel like right now, all this like new generation of people coming into tech and learning all these like new languages like React and Go and, you yeah. know, uh, I wouldn't consider Python a new language. So all the new hype languages uh, and Java after it have rebranded with Oracle because Oracle is pretty good at marketing. <laughs> um, yeah. They have they they are actually missing the point that <laughs> those programming languages used to be bad in the past, and the people who designed the new programming languages have learned from mistakes. Right? Sure. That Go was created because people did not want to allow developers to do stupid things that they used to be able to do in the past with C and C++ and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. and, you know, Rust, and it's it's actually pretty interesting. And um, now, we, you have to look at it this way. It's every technology is but a step to the next technology. You, you have to look at it this way. Like React and everything, they wouldn't be the way they are, like to your point, if we didn't have those mistakes before. So yeah. it's just a... a a normal cycle of optimization and improvements. Yeah, yeah. And that's why a lot of times the advice I give people all the time is always focus on the fundamentals. It's kind of like a different topic, but it's like you have to understand. Like a lot of times people ask me, hey, I want to learn Kubernetes. And I'm like, well, I, you need to understand what Kubernetes solve. So go actually sure. focus on the fundamentals and then understand the problem before you understand you, you learn a solution, right? Um, if 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 you ask the question, I want to learn Kubernetes, you're, I mean, <laughs> there's, there's, there's this uh, uh, joke that comes to my mind. Someone came, someone went to Mozart and said, mm -hmm. hey, Mozart, can you teach me how to build, uh, how to compose symphonies? And Mozart looks at him and said, um, maybe symphonies are a little bit hard to start with. I advise you to compose uh, sonnets and, and small stuff. And the guy said, yeah, but you, Mozart, work composing symphonies at the age of eight. And he looks at me and he said, yes, and I never asked anyone how to do it. <laughs> you know? if, you, if you feel the need to ask someone, please, what is Kubernetes? I think you better start somewhere else yeah, before you, better, you get there. You better Google it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I once tried to explain Kubernetes to someone and then we both didn't understand it. It, it's it, it's a lot, man. It's a lot to take. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a pretty complex platform. Okay, so um, let, let's um, you 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 touch upon this 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 question a little um, a little bit before, but I'd like to go a little bit more into details. Like, what role your education played in preparing you um, being Ilias for the job markets? So for for your first like time trying to look for a job. Yeah. 
Um, my education played a lot and at the same time, nothing at all. I mean, my education, you know, having that, having spent those years learning, uh, as you mentioned, the fundamentals of what computer science is and how did we get to this computer science? And because, you know, we've been doing mathematics for what, 4,000 years uh, as human species since, since Egyptians. Computer science, we've been doing it for what, 80 years? So there's, there's a lot of problems and there's a lot of fundamental principles that we learned by doing mathematics and, and a lot of things before we reach computer science. And, and school does uh, like having that, um, that uh, I would say academic learning path does a lot into you know, training your mind uh, in, into uh, learning those fundamentals and, and those, uh, you know, just logic, for example, just logical thinking. You can learn a framework, of course. You can pay bootcamp, whatever, Udemy, YouTube, and you learn how to use a tool like React. But it won't teach you, um, you know, the logical thinking uh, uh, that goes, or for example, in my master's degree, I in my second one about when I was studying computer theoretical computer science, we were studying even the reasons before the for loop. Why did we even invent a for loop? Mm -hmm. And why, you know, it's not when to use it, but how is it mathematically, how does it work mathematically and how it was proved and how a guy named Dijkstra in the 19th century came up with this. Uh, we're studying, for example, Turing machines and how they work. And these help you when you try to solve problems. They help me even today when I try to solve problems, the way you approach them from first principles, uh, the way you think about risk analysis, the way you go, you solve problems in iterations, uh, the way, you know, you learn that engineering, for example, is all about compromise. Um, you learn that in order to, I don't know, improve speed, you need probably to compromise on something else or if you want yeah. resiliency. And so all these things, they come, I, I learned them, you know, from, from school and, you know, hate it or love it. Um, being in class in that academic uh, atmosphere. And I'm, I was never good at school. You know, I, I was never, <laughs> I, I'm not a, an A student, but I learned a lot of things. At the same time, we don't teach PHP at schools. You know, I, I learned all these things with C++ and with Java. But when I went and I started working, I worked with PHP that I never learned at school, that I was yeah. learning on the side. So, you know, I think I think school is really important. I, I don't understand people who say don't go to school or I don't know, maybe they achieved some kind of level that I don't have that, that I haven't gotten there yet. Um, I think school is important, but I think that school is not everything. Um, you definitely can learn a lot of things on your own. Uh, uh, and school does also a good job in, I mean, it depends on you have good teachers also. It depends yeah. on, on, on what school you are and everything. But if you have the, the right people with you on the right mindset, schools that does a great job at preparing you, you know, to, to, to look to solve problems yourself, uh, uh, preparing you to navigate, you know, the problem. I mean, humans, we exist for, I don't know, Homo sapiens would say for what, 150,000 years? Yep. So there's all that cumulative experience and everything that, you know, if you don't go to school, you just lose it. I mean, the people have been writing books for everything for, for, for a long time. Um, and even your teacher in front of you, he's, he's a guy or a girl who, who has like 
decades of experience and who just, you know, gives you all that knowledge that otherwise it would take you maybe months or years to, to learn by yourself. So don't get me wrong. I mean, you can learn by yourself. Um, but I don't think we should be bashing at schools or, or we should say that that school, that education system is bad or uh, I don't think so. I mean, of course, there's reforms that need to be done. Uh, and of course, there's a lot of things that needs to change. But yeah, that's that's the way I look at it, man. Um, I think school, I, I think I wouldn't be like the way I am if I if I didn't do, if I didn't struggle in school and, and I didn't have to, uh, yeah, to, to learn all those. Because, I mean, think about it. Would you ever, with, with the like, no one with the right set of mind would go home and try to learn assembly on their own. No one. No one. I'm of the same opinion. I also don't understand um, this like whole people who decide to put their kids off school and just do self like homeschooling and those kind of like weird business. It feels to me like 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 when I see these examples, I just think that like when you're talking to somebody and he says like, oh yeah, I don't trust clouds with security i'm gonna do security myself and you're like yeah good luck with that right (laughs) like like it's the same thing because like you're you're basically saying i'm not gonna trust this institution which has years of experience in teaching and i'm just gonna do it myself me the person who have never taught anything in my life right um but so so what i get from your you said something actually very interesting you 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 focused a lot on the fact that what your education helped you with problem solving, right? As a developer, and I can relate to that because although I'm not a developer, I do kind of do a lot of troubleshooting. And when you're troubleshooting, you need to have a logical way of thinking about something. So yeah, th- that logic is quite important, and you get it from theoretical studies essentially. But so the point I wanted to come to is that, or at least like if I sum up your 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 point is. School is not, should not be the main thing you put in your resume when you're trying to prepare yourself for the job market. Because if you're advancing the fact that you have studied in this school and you're putting it with font 50 on your resume, it just does, does, it, it does not mean much most of the time, right? It's not because you studied in Harvard or in, I don't know, in Morocco, we can talk about NCS or on ENPT or all these kind of like hype school, well, no prestigious schools, I would say, in tech. It's not because you studied in in these schools that you are good, right? It's what you have got from those studies that helped you be who you are, right? It's it's how you take all that, how you took all that knowledge from school and then what did you do with it? Because we all graduated, but we are in different places in life right now, right? Even though uh, like everyone went through the same program, went through the same school, had the same exams, once you finish, it's what you do with that knowledge. Uh, and some people will just go to school to have that diploma and put it in, in their resumes. And uh, I don't know, good for you. But, uh, you know, uh, when, when I'm hiring people, I, I take the resume, I put it on the side and I'm like, OK, great. Now, you know, what do you do? What did you do? Um, what can you help me with? You know, it's, yeah. it, it's great that you went to this school. It's, it's awesome. But then it doesn't mean that you are qualified. You know, yeah. it, it's two different things. Yeah. It's actually pretty sad when I, at least when I was in Morocco, that the job market was mostly focusing on where did you came from. And to uh-huh. some com- in some companies, it was almost always, you had to almost always have a degree from a specific school to join a specific company, just because the people who are there and making decisions about hiring are from those kind of schools, right? So they hire people. Coming. And it's, it's actually a big problem because it makes it look like 
everybody who graduates from the same set of schools who are not trying to be different, they just they just the average. They look like everybody uh -huh. else. Just like uh -huh. school is a system where you put a bunch of people and then at the end of the day, you produce people who are similar in terms of what they know and in terms of how they apply their knowledge. And it's all this, the extra stuff, like you said, freelancing, um, working in communities, stuff like that, that actually helps you forge or create a personality for yourself, essentially. Oh, 100%, 100%. You need to differentiate yourself. Uh, yeah. That's that's uh, It's becoming more and more important. You need to differentiate yourself from the masses, uh, either by working on open source stuff, uh, either by uh, volunteering and doing, I don't know, um, like people ask me, uh, I, I want to help, I want to do charity, for example, uh, but I don't have money. But it's, it, doesn't ma it, it's, it doesn't matter. What do you do? You do marketing? Um, choose a, a charitable, you know, a charity next to you and help them doing marketing, right? And then it's something that you could put in your resume. You do code, you build website, choose a charity and help them build, a, I don't know, a chatbot or something like that. Yeah. Um, you always have to differentiate yourself. You always have to uh, stand out, you know, from everyone else. Um, um, but again, we, we work with... Uh, with a different culture, you and I. I mean, it's it's North American culture. It's it's this whole hedge funds culture. Everything is risky. You need to always. I'm not. You know, I understand when 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 if in Morocco it's still this way because in Morocco it's still a little bit uh, conservative. You know, yeah. the job market is conservative as well. Um, the culture also is a little bit conservative. <laughs> you, yeah. you know, we, we don't we don't have this culture of. Uh, um, we don't have a risky culture. We, you know, we are taught from from our young ages to just accept what you have, accept what God gives you, be thankful. You know, there's it's a complicated question. Yeah, um, yeah unfortunately, I think it's 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 interesting for us with personalities of North Africa trying to kind of adapt to a different culture, uh, like North Africa for you, uh, North America for you, Europe for me. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I'd like to, to just touch upon another uh, topic we talked about earlier before we move on. Um, economics, your degree in economics or your knowledge in economics, and I assume finance and, you know, how money works, right? How yeah. does that <laughs> help you in, 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 in your job in general, like in, either in the past or, or in your current job? Oh, definitely. Uh, it helps me tremendously. And it, it was one of these things that at the beginning... It's like a blessing in disguise. You know, at the beginning, you're like, yes, I didn't have the traditional uh, uh, mathematical uh, uh, academic, you know, studies, but having or, or being able to understand uh, how, uh, you know, enterprises are managed, how, how companies are managed, uh, how companies do raise money, how companies, uh, uh, you know, need to work, for example, in order to achieve their objective. Uh, how does quarter quarterly planning work, right? Um, Help me tremendously because right now as a solutions architect, there is the technical aspect to it, of course, but there's also the need to have those skills to sit with a products manager and explain to them this complicated solution, but explain it in their language, right? Yeah. And, and adapt it to their language. Uh, sometimes if I'm talking to, uh, to someone uh, for example, from a QA team, I would use a different vocabulary. But if I'm talking to someone in finance, I will use a different vocabulary. Um, although we're, I'm pretty much saying the same thing, right? So I think the more knowledge 
you have. Even you mentioned earlier history. If you studied history, I'm sure you can find a way. I'm, and I'm a big history nerd myself, and I always find myself applying um, um, history anecdotes to my job every day. Because you know what we say: um, smart people learn from history. Uh, stupid people learn from experience. Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. It's like if I tell you don't touch this fire, it will burn you. It's either you learn from history because someone else did it, or you have to touch it yourself you and then burn yourself, yourself and experience yes. it. So history will help you take those shortcuts. Uh, uh, in the same way, economics helps me today take a lot of shortcuts. Um, I, I find myself always learning, always learning, because yeah. no matter what you learn, there's always a way to apply it. And again, I say computer science is a recent science. I mean, maybe 90 years we've been doing computer science, but everything else we've been doing it for ages and ages. Yeah. And I have this tendency to uh, hate on the, on, the, on the human race for, because we keep making the same mistakes again and again. For example, um, every morning, you know, we, we, we drive our cars and we try to find the parking. Imagine, I don't know, I would say 4 billion people trying to find the free parking spot every morning, which is reinventing the solution every morning. And we still don't have an optimal solution to find in a parking. Imagine, this is, this is like crazy. Why do, it's we, insane, yeah. do we, it's insane. Or for example, um, um, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, finding, buying a house. For example, we've been oh, buying yeah. <laughs> houses for, <laughs> why don't we have a design pattern to buy, to buy houses? Yeah. But the, yeah. Thing, the thing is, in order to get these questions answered, what I do is I go back to some principles. Uh, uh, yeah, my, my wife thinks sometimes that I'm crazy, but uh, you know, I would, I would organize my wardrobe the same way I organize my applications. It's like I put a cache or even I organize my desk as if I had a cache. You know, the items that I use often, I would bring them in front of me. The yeah. items that I don't use, I put them back, right? So I, I try to always bridge those, uh, uh, I, I try to bridge domains between them and try to yeah. use, for example, history to solve economics, to solve computer science. So uh, yeah, I mean, I. I, I was not happy at the beginning because I, I was forced into economics, but now I'm really happy that I did it. Cool, cool. Yeah, I can totally relate to that because I also started getting interested in economy and finance a couple of years ago, and I could see that it's helped me quite a lot, especially when you get into more senior levels um, and you are in a customer-facing role like yours, and you're able to actually have these various discussions with various people, whether it's technical, business, um, and you're able to explain basic concepts that a lot of people don't get about over-engineering and their engineering, whether it makes sense to invest in a feature or it doesn't make so invest in a feature, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, if you don't have that kind of background that we, you either, as you as you yourself got from school or just, you know, read books, watch videos, whatever, um, uh, if you don't have that background, you'll find it very hard to even understand what people are talking about. Like you, you find it very hard to, to understand when people are not to, not talking about technical stuff, right? And I see this quite a lot. I come across a lot of engineers a lot of times when in a meeting they just like they just you feel like they're in a box. They're just talking about technical <laughs> things. And they're not able to understand the big picture, right? Um, yeah, yeah. You, you shouldn't you shouldn't limit yourself. That's that's true. Yeah. 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 
All right, so so let's move move fast forward to now. Um, you are a mm -hmm. solutions architect at AWS. What is a solutions architect? Uh, yeah, it's a. Uh... <laughs> Again, <laughs> it, it depends, right? Um, I say it depends because it's relatively new position or, or new uh, kind of job. And it's sometimes it's defined differently from one company to another. So maybe a solutions architect at AWS uh, is, is a little bit different uh, from a solutions architect at GCP uh, or Azure or Alibaba, if we go yep. to China. Um, but for me, a solutions architect is someone uh, who's able to uh, 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 accompany clients in their journey uh, to the cloud uh, while offering solutions. And but sometimes also there's this confusion between a sales engineer and a solutions architect. And I, I will I will take the the, the occasion you know today uh, to to make it to to just draw that line between them because I know that a sales engineer you know it's it's your decisions or or your package uh, is is ultimately ultimately relies on whether you achieve your uh, uh, your quotas or not, right? Because yes. you're basically sales. But as a solutions uh, as a solutions architect, you know, my package doesn't change whether my client use my solution or not. I'm not paid by, you know, uh, whether people choose AWS or not. In yeah. fact, I often find myself saying for some specific or edge cases, you know, maybe this AWS service doesn't have the feature that you need. Uh, you know, let's let's look at something else. Or um, so as a solutions architect, basically, uh, my job is accompany clients, uh, um, help them analyzing their, their, their problems, help them planning uh, their journey, right? For example, some clients come to me and, and they want to move completely to the cloud. So we sit with them, uh, we get their constraints with their, you know, there's always the business constraint. There's always the revenue versus expenses. There's also when are we going to be profitable? There's also a lot of these things. And we, we make a plan and then, uh, um, you know, I, I go back to my place and, and that's when, when the real job start, when the real working starts, basically put the headphones for hours and hours and, and get into the zone and try to design uh, a plan that is technical, but also, uh, um, uh, how would I say it, but also has uh, uh, parts where we talk about um, uh, uh, time, for example, right? A, a time lapse, or, or we talk about expenses, and we talk about, um, um, you know, but, but a lot of things that are around the technical solution. Did I, yeah. did I talk too much? No, no, I think, <laughs> I think, I think you explained it beautifully. Um, uh, so we, as you said, we have also solution architects. I'm not solution architects, but we have a couple of those people in Google. And they kind of do the same thing as as you described. Uh, they're very similar. I liked how you described you just you, you you put the line between what sales is and what non-sales yes. is. <laughs> Solution architects are not a sales role. <laughs> no, it's uh, not sales engineer. Completely different. Yeah. And so you said something that was very interesting about the fact that as a solution architect, you might sometimes find yourself not recommending something to a customer because it doesn't have features, because your motivation is not driven by whether the customer would consume or not. It's not driven exactly. by sales, right? Um, 100%. And I actually do the same as well. A lot of times when I work with customers, I might just go like, no, but that, that's an overkill product. Let's just not do that. <laughs> that's yeah. way too much money for what you're like. It's basically, 
because like, yeah, salespeople will always try to tell the customer to kill a, a mosquito with a bazooka, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, because their bonus de depends on it, right? Their package yeah. there is depends oh. on it, which is- Yeah, the, the bigger the bazooka, the more money they earn, essentially. <laughs> that's it, that's it. Uh, um, I, I find always, I find myself, uh, for example, people come to me and say, oh, we want to do microservices. And like, why? Uh, well, you know, it's good and, and Netflix does Microsoft. Yeah, but you are not Netflix, right? And you don't have the problems of Netflix and yes. <laughs> you don't have the constraints of Netflix. So maybe it's easier to just build it, you know, start smaller and we go in iterations. And and it's my job also to uh, be a, a grumpy, you know, architect from time to time and, <laughs> and, and not just embark in whatever, you know, excitation or, or excitement, sorry, uh, or whatever. So, you know, be grounded and solve solutions and, and always keep in mind the aspect of, you know, cost. Always try to minimize cost. Always try to increase performance, but minimizing cost. Um, those are, you know, two things that I always keep in mind. Yeah, cool. Cool. So, so uh, before we move to, yeah, before we move on to the next question, so, um, uh, you, you talked about quite like you, you described quite a lot of things that solution architects does. From your perspective, what are the top three skills, domains, you know, things that you need to know to be a good solution architect? Sure. Um, I would say one big misconception is you need to code, uh, uh, and I would say coding help a lot uh, because sometimes you are, I mean, sometimes the best way to show uh, uh, the, the, the power of a service is to build a POC with it. Um, so sometimes, you know, I, I, I have to, I don't have to, but I choose to write code uh, because I love it, I enjoy it, but you don't have to write code to be a solutions architect. So let me just start by that. Um, but what you have to do is you have to have this uh, critical and analytical and logical thinking. You need to think in steps. You need to think in, in logic. You need to think in iterations um, um, in order to solve problems, right? So you need to be a problem solver and you need to, to have that mindset. Some people call it engineering mindset, but I don't want to say engineering because some people are just born with it. Some people are just born with this, this way of thinking. I mean, chess players you can argue they are great at solving problems in steps and they're not engineers, right? Yeah. So I, I think you need to have that problem solving skills. Uh, uh, you need to have, I mean, for your listeners, forgive me if I'm not, if not everyone is gonna like what I say, but you need to have experience. Um, you need to, to fail, to have failed before. Because uh, some things you just, you just need to have experience too. You can, there is no, compression algorithm for experience as Andy Jassy say. Unfortunately just, not yet. <laughs> no, no, you just, so you need to have, you need to have been around uh, to understand a lot about how IT works, you know, on all the layers, um, um, networking, application, uh, all these kind of things. Um, and you need to have people skills um, because most of the time you are in front of clients, in front of customers, because, and, and these are people, they're human. Uh, doesn't matter what the business, you know, how many billions the business make, it's still humans who are running it. And we humans look at things differently, approach problems differently, and have different backgrounds. Um, so you need to have those people skills to bridge the gap and, and explain why the solution is better than this, why this will take 
10 times more than this? Uh, why you believe that you know this cloud provider is better for your use case than this? So I would say experience, logical, uh, uh, logical thinking and problem solving skills, and then uh, people skills. These things are, and you know, presentation skills, <laughs> because yeah. you're doing a lot of PowerPoints, <laughs> a lot of presentations. <laughs> but these are mainly, I would say, the, the top three skills um, in the domain. Okay. Okay. Cool. And so, do you, do you think that this is just a follow-up question? Do you think that um, uh, uh, intimacy or a deep knowledge of a specific industry could help solution architects? Is it like a requirement, or is it more like a nice to have? Like you've been working in finance, you've been working in healthcare, stuff like that. Uh, it is definitely a big plus because you can either be a general solutions architect or you can specialize you know, in a specific industry or specific vertical, specific segment. Uh, for example, I specialize in serverless. Um, so I, I work with, I, you know, I can, I can pretty much approach all kinds of problems, but my specialty, uh, my technical specialty is serverless solutions. Yep. Um, and my business specialty is uh, ISVs, um, you know, these, these companies, uh, in, independent software vendors, these companies who have products and uh, who build SaaS, you know, solutions, uh, okay. and they, ha they have products that they offer um, to the market. So, yes, uh, I know, you know, there's you can be a complete a solutions architect working only on IoT. You can be a solutions architect for uh, petroleum companies. You can yep. be a solution because every business has its own, uh, you know, needs, its own requirements. And if you have experience already in a specific domain, you know, might as well leverage it and might as well specialize in it. Yep. Um, I think think that's 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 a super that's a that's a, an advantage that you need to leverage. Yeah, yeah. It's actually it's you, you said something that was very interesting. Is um, um, you you spoke about you give two examples of um, uh, petroleum, for example. Um, and I uh, like to, to the audience who are going to listen to this. I think that different type of businesses use IT different ways. Uh, maybe yeah. the best example we can give would be the fact that petroleum type companies mostly need high performance computing because they do distributed calculations on a lot of lots of data. So you need this kind of use cases. And HPC is a very specialized, extremely yeah. complicated topic that like 100%. somebody who is like, freshly graduated or probably even 10 years of coding would not probably understand what kind of challenges you have in that space. And to your point, serverless also has its own set of challenges that you need to really understand what they are. Um, um, yeah. Very cool, cool. Um, so how did you find this role? How did you, how did you end up working, um, joining AWS as a solution? <laughs> I also remember when I was talking to you maybe a couple of years ago and I was looking uh, to move and I said, hey, do you think it, that, do you know if Google has um, some openings in, in uh, Montreal? I don't know yeah. if you remember that. I remember, yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, let me, let me just say that I think there's, there's two kinds of people. There are, there are missionaries, you know, there are people who believe in, in the mission. And there's mercenaries, you know, people who who, who have um, a set of skills, and and uh, you know they provide that set of skills to uh, to other companies. And I consider myself, you know, a mercenary, um, in in a way that I, I've, I have experience, I have expertise, and I have a set of skills. Uh, and you know, um, uh, at some point, I wanted to bring all those those skills together. And uh, and that's where I was thinking about okay, what would be the role that 
I would leverage my experience, my, my expertise, and also my people skills and my, my tech know-how and everything. And you know, it was, it was clear that that would be a solutions architect. So I was a solutions architect before I joined AWS. I was a solutions architect with a, with a streaming company uh, here in Montreal. And uh, you know, we were 100% on AWS at that point. Uh, we built a lot of services on there, whether they're like live streaming services. And, 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 uh, and uh, we used to use a lot of serverless. So that kind of you know, gave me that uh, avant-goût of what AWS is and, and working with AWS is. Sometimes I wonder what if as a social architect, I, I worked in a company that, you know, used Google. Sometimes yeah. I wonder maybe I would have ended up, you know, working with Google, who knows? Um, but, you know, I, I, I like to reinvent myself every couple of years. And I think everyone should because technology moves rapidly and you can't be stuck doing one thing. Um, uh, like technology, all technology is but a step to the next technology. It doesn't matter. Everything just step to the next thing. And so I, you know, I've, at some point I look at my, I, my career and I was like, I did code, I did uh, uh, management. Now I want to reinvent myself and bring them together. And, you know, I, I, I started working as a solutions architect and then the uh, uh, AWS actually reached out, you know, it was uh, on LinkedIn. I, mm -hmm. I actually I only use LinkedIn for uh, for my uh, for my career. I've never used any other any other uh, um, um, platform. So they yeah. reached out, and um, you know we, we can talk about the interview if you want inter interview process if you want and everything. But uh, yeah, that's yeah. That's we're, it. we're gonna we're gonna talk about the interview process. But I liked something you said, which was like reinventing yourself every every couple of years. Um, I, I I I double down on that because I think it's important that. Even if you don't have the intention to move move companies to just every couple of years, try to go out there and see what's possible. Apply to jobs, talk to people, ask about salaries. Always ask about salary first because always. otherwise, always. <laughs> otherwise it's a waste of time. <laughs> Life is uh, too short not to exactly. ask about salaries first. <laughs> uh, but like, just see what people are doing, see what they need. Kind of the way I like to describe it is try to see what your profile is worth on the market, right? Try to see what can you do, right? 100%, 100%. I mean, we all have qualities, but have also, um, uh, what is the opposite of qualities? I don't want to say weaknesses. <laughs> yeah, I think weakness, yeah. <laughs> okay. I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah, so, so, and I always thought that in order to be happy in life, you shouldn't, I mean, people say, do what you love and you never have to work a day in your life. And I disagree with this. I'm like, uh, by the way, is this, a, is this a family podcast? Can I swear? Yeah, or, just or... go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was going to say, you know, fuck that shit. No, I, don't do what you love. Do what you're good at. Yeah. And, and that will give you, because that gives you an edge. You know, you, you get into a company and everyone is, try, is struggling, but because you're good at that thing, let's say your thing is people. And then, or, you know, it's sell, selling, right? And, and you get to a company and everyone is struggling, but you're able to sell uh, easily and, 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 you know, two times, three times more than everyone else. So that gives you more money and that gives you more leverage and it allows you to climb the ladder quickly, yeah. which gives you money and time to do what you love on the side. You know, th yeah. th this, is, this is what I, what I think about it. If you're good at computer science, do computer science. Even if you don't love computer science and you, and you love to paint 
or create music, well, being good at computer science will give you that lifestyle that allows you to paint and, and, and create music on the side. So uh, I, I like we all have those qualities. And, and if you find the, the job that leverages your qualities, I think you're, you're, you're the boss, right? Yeah. 100%. If sometimes, you know, I see some people who are um, nosy and too curious and just they just want to know everything. I'm like, you know what? Maybe you would be a great journalist or maybe you would be a great investigator, right? <laughs> and you, say some, you see someone who is show off and he just wants everyone to listen to him and he's like hmm maybe you want to be a, a professor I, i'm not saying that professors are show offs <laughs> but just <the laughs> i see your point yeah or maybe yeah, you want so to be a public speaker it doesn't matter like a motivational it. speaker or something like that yeah that's it that's it so if you yeah. find that thing like look at yourself and what are those qualities that you have and try to match them with a career that would you know tremendously make your life uh, uh, easier um, so yeah, so uh, you know, uh, to your point, you never know what's going to be tomorrow in technology. No. You never know, and the only way to prove it is to always, you know, technology keeps us on our toes. No rest for the wicked. Unfortunately, you have to keep, you know, reinventing yourself, learning yeah. new stuff, checking the market. Um, sometimes you, you with with experience, you see that that there's some old technologies that just being repackaged and put new buzzwords on them and now they become new technologies. So sometimes, you know, it's easier for you to jump on that wagon, but you wouldn't know it if, if you just stay doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I know people who've been working in companies for like six years, seven years, and I'm like, how, how, why do you do this to yourself? <laughs> do you know how hard it's going to be for you? You know, especially well, if you I've, been, I've been working at, I've been working at Google for seven years, but I try, I did three different roles, right? That's if it. you are you in a big check. company, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you are in a big yeah. company, it's not necessarily a problem. I think if you're in a small company that has a single product, it would be exactly. harder for you to reinvent your, yourself. And most probably the easiest career progress and progress you can make in a small company is to go into management. But if you yeah. want to stay as an individual contributor, and you are working in a big company, it's probably easier to, to have that mobility between different roles, doing different things, right? True, true. And and I think also you have a lot of Google certificate, right? Or you're certified pretty much everything in Google. Almost all of them, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, cloud so, that also, yeah. So, so that also shows that you're always reinventing and studying and, and pushing the bar. That's yeah. that's yeah. very important. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. Um, so let's talk about AWS. How was the interview process at AWS? Um, so, you know, it, it starts with a, with a phone interview uh, at the beginning and, and AWS is big on the leadership principles. We have 14 leadership principles, uh, like work back from the customer, uh, like reinvent and simplify, like, uh, always be right. <laughs> so there, yeah. there's a lot of this, this, principles. I saw this <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and AWS is, is big on those. And because, you know, working at AWS is is a completely different experience than working than everything I had before. The company's culture is a little bit peculiar, right? AWS does ways a little bit differently. AWS does ways, it's does things its own way. So you have to learn about about this. So uh, the, the phone uh, the, the the phone interview at the beginning uh, was uh, about. I think they were just trying to gauge my my people skills uh, whether I was a. Uh, uh, a psychopath or something like that. You know how these first <laughs> calls go. It's to uh, filter they, out. <laughs> that's it. That's it. 
And then, uh, you know, you talk a little bit about um, expectations in salary, about where you want to be in your life uh, and, and all these kind of things. And then the second phone interview was a little bit more technical about, you know, all these leadership principles as well. And they, they are trying to see whether you, you can fit in the culture. And they also, something that stood out to me is, sorry, is they try to see how do you give back to the community? Like a big part of it was, okay, you have this experience. How do you give back? Do you, read art uh, do you write articles, for example, to help people? Uh, do you do podcasts? Do you do YouTube? Like how are you, are you that type of person who gives back? And uh, I think, you know, that, that was interesting for me and I like it. I like the way they approached it. Mm -hmm. And then so we scheduled the, the famous set five, six interviews in one day. You know, we, we all go through it. I think you did. Uh, uh, Google has the same thing. Yeah, that like five. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's like five interviews uh, in the same day. And then in the middle, there is a presentation. You need to give a presentation. You need to choose a problem, a real, a real life problem. You need to solve it. Uh, and, you, and then you need to present the solution. And then, you know, you presented it to a panelist of, uh, it's like an enterprise, it's like a company. You're talking to the CEO, CTO, VPs. Uh, that was in the middle. That was one hour. Um, so, yeah, the, the interviews were all from um, situational questions, yep. you know, um, you know, the STAR procedure, uh, you know, uh, a situation, action, what did you do? What, what is the result? Imagine you were given this. Imagine you were given that. Uh, some of them were, were also technical. And, and there was a lot of design and architecture questions. Um, imagine, for example, there's a company that wants to do live uh, uh, streaming, live backup in different regions, but they want to go to this. But then, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of uh, constraint to it. And how would you design a system like this? And here's the SLA, here's the SLO, all these kind of things. Um, at the end of the day, and, and you interview with different teams. Uh, yep. um, so they try to see whether you're a fit to the company at a whole, but also whether you're a fit to a specific team, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there's, you know, there's multiple segments in the markets. There's, there's startups, there's greenfields, there are big companies, there are banks, there are financial companies. So they try to see whether you're, you're, where your experience could fit. Um, so after that, I think... I think I had another interview uh, with HR um, that was also on the phone. And yeah, that's that's what I got the offer. And then, uh, you know, you should never say yes to the first offer. You should always <laughs> <laughs> negotiate a little bit. Um, even if, you know, you're super happy, you're like, uh, no, I want to... You should always more. try to get more, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. It, it was... It was AWS tried to keep it really short. They don't like to make people wait. So I think it was in a week. It was a week of interviews. I live in Montreal, but the interview was in uh, Toronto. So they fly you over and they take care of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the same experience. I had to fly to Belgium to pass the interviews. So you said yeah. something um, interesting about the... So the... the, the, the... Like when you were describing the interview process, you never said managers. That was actually very interesting because I think in all fan companies, the big tech companies, you almost always interview with team members, with people who are in the role you are interviewing for, right? 100%. Um, yeah. um, and, and, and so based on this, taking this into consideration and based on the experience as a, as a manager in a different company, which one do you prefer and what can you tell us about like pros, cons of each of these methods? 
Interesting question. Hmm. I, I didn't I didn't look at it this way. Um, I mean, when when you get interviewed, I was interviewed by solutions architects mainly, um, and 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 these are the people who know what you should have, you know, uh, as quality, but they also know what they lack uh, uh, in the team, right? And and this is something that I that is super interesting about AWS is there's this concept of raising the bar. So we will never hire someone unless they bring something to the team that the team doesn't have, right? Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's, uh, I don't know, just keep it simple. If no one is expert in Windows, we will hire someone who has expertise in Windows, right? Who, who meets the bar, but then brings something uh, yeah. new to the bar. Uh, and, and I think having, you know, uh, either developers or, or social architects in, in my uh, case interviewing me, it, it makes it a little bit clearer because those are the people who meet clients every day uh, and, and solve these problems every day. And they know that they lack something here or that they need something that there. Um, as a manager, I think I was aware of the strength and, and weaknesses of my team. I think, I think most managers are, but then I also worked with managers who were weak managers. I also worked with managers who, uh, uh, um, who, who were managers who became managers just because that was the next in their evolution, right? The, the next position mm -hmm. to be promoted to, not because they're good managers. So mm -hmm. I think, yeah, it's, it's a good point. Being like in, being, having the interview by a manager should not be the only thing. Maybe it is important, but if you can have both of them, like you have the manager interview and then you bring in, you know, the team to interview, I think you would have both, you know, best of both worlds. Yeah. 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 So I, I, and there is something I think, uh, which, because that's how we do also interviews at Google, where you have a bunch of interviews, but one of them is a manager and it's more like culture, team fit, etc. The technical interviews are done by team members, right? No. Who at least in the same level of expertise as the candidate. Um, but I think you said something that was interesting about the fact that as a manager, you're aware of your team's weaknesses and strengths, but you're not necessarily aware of the day-to-day -day problems. And that's probably because you're not expecting to be micromanaging your team. Because if you are aware of every single problem the team has, it's basically, be, it means more... It most probably means you are micromanaging them. You're like looking at what every person is doing. Um, True. While and as a manager, you're probably just meeting what your team members once a week for like half an hour chat, right? True, true. Most most managers, they just take care of the, the human aspects, you know, of, of the team, uh, managing uh, uh, PTOs and vac vacancies, uh, like holidays and, and all these kind of things. And they leave the day-to-day -day aspect to the tech lead, tech lead or the team lead. So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah yeah, you're completely right. Uh, yeah, in that. and I, I I had an experience personally where I interviewed for a company here in Sweden a few years back, uh, where I went in expecting that I'll be interviewing with the team members, and turns yeah. out that the manager was in the room, and it was a totally different expertise. Because when I interview as a Googler right now, my manager is never there. I it's me, <laughs> that's it, right? Yeah. And then I was there, and the atmosphere was kind of weird because I kind of felt that the guys were also feeling that they were judged by their manager because he was in the room. Oh, so they couldn't ask the questions they wanted to ask, right? And uh, so it was it was a kind of weird. I think I think that that's not necessarily a good thing. Like if you are in the room as a manager while your team members are trying to interview somebody, that's not going to be a good experience, I think, for the candidates at least, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I see your point. I completely see your point. Um, also, since we're talking about interviews, there, there's some things that I, I really despise is when when interviewers try to make the interview just complicated and and hard, you know, on purpose. And, necess and, and necessarily complicated. <laughs> <laughs> and necessarily complicated, you know, and try to solve, I don't know, quantum computer problems <laughs> on a job where you will be writing mostly three-tier level applications. Yeah. You know, it, it, yeah, that's something I despise. And, and we try to... Uh, to make it real uh, as much as we can. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's that's actually pretty cool. Um, so let me uh, move to the next question I had. Um, what are your plans for the next five to 10 years? Uh, <laughs> I, would be, I would be lying if I said I know. Um, it's, I try to think about it. Uh, I, I try to think about this question a lot. Uh, I mean, all I know is, is I will be reinventing myself. I mean, right now I am really getting into IoT and and, uh, and devices on edge and embedded systems and all these things. So who knows? Maybe in a couple of years I'll be um, um, a security uh, uh, expert in edge devices. Who knows? I have no idea. I know that you know I I want to stick around uh, at AWS for as long as I can. Uh, it's it's a it's a great place to learn. You know from the best. Um, and, and I like the culture, um, but what exactly my job will be, I really have no clue, uh, to be okay. honest. I mean, yeah, technology changes rapidly. There, there's maybe, maybe I'll be in a job that we haven't even invented yet. You know, maybe there's, there's yeah. a job that, that we're going to invent in three years and, and that's going to be my job. So yeah, maybe we'll the the role doesn't exist yet. Um, yeah. And just, just as a reminder for the people who are going to watch this or listen to this, you have a YouTube channel where you're tinker with Android, uh, Arduino, sorry, quite a lot, right? Yes. <laughs> so yes, what's yes, your yes. YouTube channel? Uh, I, I call it Mecha Hume Arduino. So Mecha Hume Arduino. Uh, so there's like the three aspects, mechanical, human, and Arduino stuff. Um, nice. I, I do, I do some, I, I love also to work on my car. So I do a lot of mechanical stuff here and there. So that's why I included the Mika there, but yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's big. It started like a hobby, the whole Arduino thing. And now I find myself spending more time in it and I like what I do. I like, I like the, the ability that it gives you to solve problems, you know, you, you scratch your own itch. Um, yeah. and so who knows, maybe, maybe that will be my thing for the next we know that the next decade is about um, everything's talking to everything, all machines talking to all machines. Yeah. And that comes with, uh, you know, maybe new paradigms in security and authentication. And uh, so maybe I'll, I'll be a security expert in, uh, in uh, edge devices. Who knows? Yeah, and to, to, <laughs> we'll your point, to your point, maybe there will be some technology that we don't know about today and uh, that would be interesting to, to see, right? Um, That's it. Um, okay, so... Uh, so now, based on your entire experience and uh, all what you've been doing, you know, all the experience you've been going through, what would you recommend somebody who is trying or interested in going to cloud? Think either somebody who is like, you know, freshly graduated out of school or somebody who is doing something develop, well, I don't know, mobile development and they want to like, you know, shift their careers towards cloud because it's the, the, the current trend. Yeah. Um... Short answer, go for it. <laughs> um, long answer, cloud is, is here to stay. Um, uh, uh, you, you see 
these big companies, AWS, Google, Azure, they're throwing billions of dollars on the cloud. And these people, they have super smart people who know what they're doing and, and they can know. Um, I mean, just, just to, to say that investing time and money uh, to, into learning cloud, I think it ha will have a great return on investment. Um, I think even with, you know, we've been doing cloud for maybe the past decade, but it's still only 5% of businesses are in the cloud worldwide. Yeah. Based so on the last reports, like, yeah, it's something like yeah. five or, yeah. Right. So the road is still, you know, we just started. Uh, it's it's not like the end or whatever. We really just, just started scratching uh, what cloud can do uh, for everyone. And I believe personally that the future is in, abstracting a lot of these uh, uh, services that the cloud providers offer. Uh, uh, and this is pretty much one of the reasons I like Kubernetes, right? It's just, I think the future of Kubernetes is, is a place where you can drag and drop, you know, you need DNS, drag and drop, you need something to process your files, drag it, drop it here. You need this API drag, and you'll have really simple, you know, simple interface that abstracts all cloud providers uh, so you'll have like a multi-cloud hybrid cloud between on-prem and cloud providers in a simple interface. Um, so uh, I think, yeah, uh, don't listen to anyone that says that cloud is bad or security in cloud is bad because your files don't belong to you or, <laughs> or I mean... <laughs> Please, I don't, don't get me started on that. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, it's people who doesn't know what they're talking about, mostly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, don't try to reinvent, you know, the, the wheel. You, as a developer, uh, you want to focus on your business logic. That's what make, gives you the different, that what makes you different than everyone else. You don't want to yeah. solve problems that we've been solving, solving for 20 years. So let's cloud providers solve these problems for you and only focus on what you do and what your company does, just your business logic, how to acquire uh, clients, how to solve clients' problems. And I think cloud excels in solving this yeah. specific problem. And you know, the model of pay as you go also is an inter super interesting model. You know, I, I hear people saying that cloud is expensive and I, I, I don't, I'm like, maybe you don't have uh, a good architect. <laughs> That's why you yeah. think that cloud is, is expensive. Um, it's the same thing as using a bazooka to kill uh, you know, a, a mosquito. mosquito. Maybe yeah. you're, you're using a bazooka there. So just review your, your architecture and I'm, I'm sure you can find ways where, I mean, some, sometimes you have to have on-prem uh, uh, processes and workloads, but we're talking about edge cases here, right? We're talking about uh, SpaceX, who needs to process hundreds of gigabytes of data coming from their sensors every millisecond or something like that. So of course you don't wanna throw everything to the cloud and you wanna cut onto the own latency and everything. But you know, this is really edge cases for 99.99% of, of industries and companies out there. Um, yeah, just the return on investment on going to the cloud is going to be big. It's going to be huge. Yep. And and also, as, as we were speaking, it creates more jobs. It creates more roles. It, it creates more paradigms. Um, and, and so it's it's becoming a driver right now. It, it drives the whole uh, industry forward. You, you see just the way that we were able to find vaccines uh, to COVID in a matter of what, one year? I don't yep. think we, we would be able, we would have been able to do it if it wasn't for cloud. 
if it wasn't of all this parallel computing, you know, a, a high performance computing uh, that is happening in parallel and provided by these cloud providers. Uh, if, if Pfizer had to buy, you know, machines and manage data centers and provision and whatever, I don't think they would have done, it would have taken decades probably yeah. rather yeah. Than, than months. I I actually have, um, yeah, so, so I, I'd like, I, I add to that also the fact that right now we're mostly, me and you at, at least, we're working with customers who are in the kind of modern, uh, I mean, the Western world. So, you know, Europe and the US and Canada is usually quietly more advanced than other parts of the world. But just also keep in mind that there is an entire continent called Africa that today is probably not ready for cloud, but once it will be, the business opportunities there are quite huge, right? Middle East is another example. China is another example. So, so to your point that cloud is here to stay, yeah, it is here to stay and it's going to expand. Yes or yes, it's just a matter of time. That's um, it. And so you talk about, about the vaccines and I just like to share a little anecdote which happened to me uh, mostly, which was like a aha moment, which uh, it was very simple. Like there's a university in Stockholm and they have a project called uh, Fold at Home. Uh, it's a, you can just Google it, Fold at Home. I essentially do protein folding. It's like a method of calculation for uh, trying to understand what the structure of protein is, right? Okay. And this Fold at Home is a is a is a is a crowdsource project where people donate CPU power from their computers at home to the project. But you need to install the control plane, which is like a server that has all the logic mm -hmm. that knows how to take the calculation, distribute it across multiple computers, etc. And um, th then I, I can admit these scientists, and I, I, they were telling me what they were doing in Google Cloud with the, you know, the Fold at Home project. With, they got a bunch of credits, and they just managed to spin up servers like that <laughs> instead of like going on Reddit and trying to tell people, hey, can you please install this agent on your computer because you know we need two CPUs, whatever. Um, so so that, that was one of these aha moments where you see like, oh, what we do is actually matters, right? It's quite important. It does. It does. And... and uh... Um, I mean, I only work with AWS, so I know that AWS invests and provides a lot of credits uh, for this kind of uh, initiatives, but I'm sure GCP does the same. Uh, yeah. I'm sure Google would provide them with credits and, and help them, you know, migrate and start their, and, and migrate their workloads to the cloud. And, you know, everyone is happy at the end of the day. Uh, it's just, um, but I think there's always this, uh, uh, this, people always challenge new thing, I guess. You know, probably everyone challenged credit cards at the beginning. Everyone challenged PayPal at the beginning. Um, I think it's it's going to be you know the same thing. But uh, the, the, you know, don't follow the masses. You know, be that one person that stand out and and that is visionary. I can see where this will lead. Right? Yeah. It's it's an investment uh, at the end yeah. of the day of your time and your money. Yeah. And so, um, Elias, this has been great. I just have one last question for you. I would like to get your opinion and then I'll tell you what I think because I have a strong opinion about this one. Interesting. What, okay. <laughs> what do you think about certifications? I get quite a lot of questions sometimes from people who are still in, in school and they go like, oh, I'd like to do this like, you know, Google or AWS certificate or like Oracle or whatever, Red Hat, or people who are kind of want to use certification as a way to shift their careers or as a way to give them a leverage to find a job? Uh, what do you think about that? So um, <clears throat> people ask me why I don't have certificates in Google. I only have AWS certificates. And my answer is, I don't want to have a certificate just to say that I have a certificate and just study for the sake of studying it. I want to use my certificate every day. Um, so the way I approach certificate is, um, if I have a goal this quarter, for example, to uh, uh, work, or if I have clients, for example, that work with uh, Alexa, 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I will start studying Alexa and then I will pass the certification of Alexa so I become an SME on Alexa so I can serve my clients better. This is how I approach it. I don't do it the other way around. I don't, I don't just go and get certificates and then you know, hope that I will get jobs with these certificates. Um, but this is, this is how I approach it. It's like I, I try to find a motivation which is basically a professional motivation. To, so I probably I will not study, I will not get Google certification unless I plan to have, move to Google or, or I have a client who use Google or something like that, but I will not get them, you know, just just to get them. And, and to your point, um, if someone is still in school and he's trying to get certificate, I'm like, maybe it's not the best use of your time. Uh, maybe it's yeah. not the best investment because what are you going to get? I mean, it's not going to help you to pass your exams at school. That's for sure. And by the time you graduate school, uh, keep in mind certificates expire. By the time yeah. you graduate school, that certification is pretty much might be useless and you have to do another certification and you never know. Maybe you end up working for Alibaba and, and your certification is useless anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty much how I look at it. What, what about you? Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of of the same opinion in the sense that I think certifications are a proof of experience or a proof mm-hmm. of knowledge. That if you don't have the experience or you don't have the knowledge, certifications are worthless. The only exception to this rule for me would be that what you said, if you have if you are doing the certificate as a way, because what IT certifications allow you to do is have a, a structured learning. That's the good mm-hmm. thing about them. The curriculum of certificates is usually structured in a way that is gradual and goes from basic concepts into complicated concepts, preparing you to pass an exam. And there are people who struggle with sticking to a specific thing to learn. Like, they, mm-hmm. like if you just tell them like, hey, go learn this, six months later, they wouldn't, have, they wouldn't even know how to start. If so you struggle and you need a structured way to learn, certification is a great way. But if you don't have the experience because you're still a student or, you know, you, you don't have the professional experience to prove it or, 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 yeah, or you just have never experienced that specific product you got certified on, do not put this center in your resume. <laughs> do not make well, it all <laughs> what the resume is about, right? Yeah, it, it doesn't look good, right? Uh, for me, it shows me that you don't get your priorities right. Uh, exactly. It shows me that, uh, like, I would have, I would have, when I'm interviewing someone, I would have liked if they talked to me about a, a real challenge where they made money for their for their company or a real challenge that they solved. Rather, and I would look at that, you know, uh, even in a, in a better uh, through better glasses than I had certificates or I've had other certificate. Um, yeah, t- t- to your point, it's you need to to have the experience first, and you then pass the certificate. Uh, just as a you know an achievement. Yes, I know this. And then it's you don't you don't do it in reverse. It's like it, it's like me as a regular person. I'm trying to 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 do a hard diet to have single digit you know fat uh, a percentage in my body. I don't need it. You know un- unless you are you are a professional athlete. Unless you live with that. Yes, go for it. But as a regular human being, you know, you don't need to put yourself through that. It's just bad investment. It, yeah. You're not you're not getting a good ROI on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. All right. So I, I, yeah. I passed. I passed the question. Yeah, you passed. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right, man. Thank you very much. This was great. Um uh thank you very much for spending time with me. Um uh, this was the first time I've 
recording a podcast. It has been great actually to have a chat. Um, turns out there is a lot of things in common between us, which is uh, great. Um, Pleasure. Uh, before I let you go, anything you want to add? Any advice you might have for people um, who are just you know thinking about going to work for cloud, either for cloud provider or you know using cloud in general? Yeah. Um, um, find the time. I would say, um, the, 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 you know, one of one of the main blockers, uh, you know, blocking people from learning and, and and achieving and advancing in life is they don't have the time, right? And and I understand life is tough. Life can be tough, but life will never get easy. <laughs> um, so you just have to find the time. Unfortunately, there's there's no magical. You know, you, you work from nine to five and you go home. And I understand, and and it's you know your eyes hurting. You have babies. You, you just freaking need to find the time. That's it. You need to yeah. find the time to study, to advance. It's it's different for everyone. So so you need to you know find whatever works for you. But if if you rely on what you do in your day job alone, you will fall into what we call the um, the big expert beginner. You know yeah. you, you you're you're an expert, but just in that specific thing that you do, and and you. Uh, um, the second thing is people work on your concentration levels, right? We live in a world where everything is fighting to get our attention, notifications, you know, yeah, um, um, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of social media platforms out there and then we get lost. So I think one of the biggest thing is we need to get back that ability to focus, to, yeah. to just stay in front of computer. And this is something I, I, I tell my girlfriend. She, she does, she's in finance and she's, uh, and, and, and she's trying to learn Python. See, this, this is super interesting. Um, yeah. She's trying to learn Python so she can model their projections and everything and, and mm -hmm. code them. So automate and, her job, essentially. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, uh, and she asks me, you know, how can I learn? And my answer has always been the same. If you're able to sit in front of a computer for four hours at a time without interruption, you will be able to learn coding. If you can't, then just forget about it. It's, it's yeah. really as simple as this. I, I, I want people to work on their concentrations, I like treat it as if it was, you know, as breathing air or something, because we're losing our focus, we're losing our concentration. So there's a lot of methods out there, but... Uh, um, yeah, get 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 matters in your hand. You know, uh, we're 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 becoming. I am becoming really like I noticed that my mental uh, calculations. You know, the ability to do mental calculations has been decreasing. Maybe it's yeah. just age. I don't know, <laughs> but just the fact on relying on computers every time and phones and everything. I think we need to. You know, the brain is a muscle. So I, we need to uh, we need to, to to work back on our brains and, and and find time to just focus and get bored. You know, get bored. We need to get bored. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we don't. We never have time to get bored because there's always something to do on the phone. There's always yes. something to watch on YouTube. So we just need to sometimes find find some. And I get always surprised when I put the phone down for at least fifteen minutes. And all these ideas start coming and I start thinking, I'm like, wow, I would never have thought about this if I had my phone in mind. Yeah, because you're always distracted, essentially, yeah. Always distracted and you're always um, receiving, you know, rather than producing. Yeah. You're always just, just reading, reading, reading. And 
information it was a time where where information was power i don't think it is anymore i mean no. i yeah. read a ton of reddit every day i read a ton of of articles every day if information was power you know i would be elon musk but it's not it's not yeah. just no. just reduce the amount of 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 of, uh, of information and and increase what you do with it right yeah. rather than the yeah. opposite focus on quality rather than quantity <laughs> And, and focus on practice. Like I, I know people who have a t who know a ton of quotes about being happy in life, and a ton of quotes about achieving stuff. But then, if you don't practice them, <laughs> like just learn one quote and practice it is better than learning thousand ones and doing nothing about it. Yeah, and definitely stop posting those things on Instagram. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> All right, Elias, this was a pleasure. Thank you very much, my friend. Yeah, man, it was a pleasure for me too. Yeah, but uh, it's been a long time we haven't talked. So uh, it was a pretty good time. I had a pretty good time. Thank you very much, man. And uh, thank you everyone who listened to us. I hope you enjoyed this content. This was the Cloud Careers Podcast. Have a good day.